I will project using my theater voice. Theater voice. Yes, about this gingerbread. There's not enough nutmeg in your gingerbread. <laughs> Mother. That looks like we're in an episode of the EastEnders. Ozzy, I was trying to do um, Chekhov. <laughs> Hi, I'm Kristen. And I'm Mike. And we're lost in Sunnydale Stacks. This is the Sunnydale Stacks, where every other week we immerse ourselves in the world of Sunnydale, California, and review two episodes of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. This week, we're dusting off Gingerbread and Helpless. So there may be a little bit of difference in sound quality this mm-hmm. week. We may sound a little different than usual. Uh, uh, we're both going through puberty. Finally! <laughs> they dropped. Uh, <laughs> Big surprise on Kristen's part on that one. <laughs> So, um, in the spirit of gingerbread and going back to Salem witch trial times, we decided to go back to our old mic. Yep, that's why. That's why. Now, we, we're yeah. having some technical difficulties, and so luckily we mm-hmm. still have our old mic. Uh, so, this is a nice little... Hey, I've been here the whole time. ...little walk down memory lane for us. Thank you to whoever just got my mic, mic reference there. Oh, that's what you were saying. Yep. I was like, I'm going to just ignore that. We're <laughs> right past it. That's what most women say to most things I say. Um, <laughs> oh, no. So we're ready to look at some books. <laughs> Woo, yay. <laughs> now let's head into the Sunnydale Stacks and open the books on Gingerbread. Buffy is patrolling, and moms come to help Aww. with snacks. Oh, that's so adorable. It's pretty sweet. And when you think about it, like, kudos to Joyce here. This yeah. is pretty great. Mm-hmm. Like, I get it. She's not being helpful. Yeah. And it's kind of like, Mom. Uh, I want to do this late by myself. It's not cool when your mom shows up to patrolling. What if the vampires see me with you? It's going to be so lame. But she's she's showing yeah. an interest, in, yeah. and especially in something that she's already rejected once. Mm-hmm. She's not only she, um, showing an interest; she's encouraging her yeah. and cheering, like literally cheering her on. She's being supportive with mm-hmm. snacks, which yeah. is such a mom thing. And she did that mom thing of somehow knowing where Buffy was, even though she really sh- shouldn't have been able to figure it's it out. GPS that moms put under your skin. Is oh, that, only women know about that. Did I ruin the secret? Oh no! Sorry. <laughs> Take that, uh, two-parent gay male families. You don't get that secret. Oh, no. (laughs) I just think this is pretty great. Like, Joyce is not, you know, she's she's supporting Buffy. She's Mm -hmm. willing to, like, be around evil dead Mm -hmm. things. Like, I can't get my parents to drive 30 minutes to come into the city. Yeah, yeah. It can be hard to get your parents to, like, watch a show you're in. Yeah, exactly. And she's all about the patrolling. Vampire Mr. Sanderson from the bank shows up. He and Buffy fight. He runs away. Joyce, meanwhile, wanders over to the playground to find two dead children on the equipment. Have a fun episode, guys. Yay! We're starting off with dead kids. Oh. Ugh, rough. They have symbols. Now, these look like... 
it's not washing off. Like it, it, they don't, like they never tattoo. say like if it's tattooed or branded or painted. Maybe, I, maybe, I'm going to guess henna. Henna, henna it's sure. It's henna tattoos. It lasts like a week, but then it's okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's fine. Even longer since they're dead. It's yeah. not going to be much wear and there's tear. There's no like oil from your hands, mm-hmm. I don't think. The cops show up to process the scene. Joyce is way distraught, as yeah. one would be. I like that Buffy is experiencing something here that like a mm-hmm. lot of teenagers go through for the first time, where you're the one being the parent, even though yeah. you're the kid. Like she's taking the role yeah. that the parent would usually take. She's mm-hmm. having to comfort Joyce and kind of be rational. Yeah, it's just an uncomfortable thing to do as a teenager. Yeah, and I think that that's the first hint we get at uh, one of the major themes in this episode, kind of being that parents are people too, like. They can make mistakes, and that comes up even more in the next episode. So I think it's it's some pretty cool uh, work this season with a lot of recurring themes that kind of reflect in multiple episodes. Right. That's probably because, I mean, Buffy is a senior in high school. This mm-hmm. is themes that we went through. I'm thinking exactly. of, like, probably the more common version mm-hmm. is your parents fighting and you having to either, like, be the rational one mm-hmm. or comfort an upset parent. Yeah. This is making me think of when my grandma's died because mm. they actually both died in the same year Oof. and having to comfort my parents. And I remember like yeah. going to my mom and being like, mom, dad is crying. Mm. Like the, like my, my little child brain couldn't wrap around that. Yeah. It was like, he must be sick mm. because he's a dad. And my yeah. mom just being like, it's okay. And we'd be like, no, 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 it's not okay. You don't, you don't, you didn't hear what I just said. <laughs> My dad is crying. Yeah, that's not okay. Buffy, of course, takes all of this out on Giles. It's <laughs> uh, just she's so calm and comforting with Joyce, yeah. and immediately Giles, fix it. Yeah, it's the first of many editing jokes, which is another. I feel like another episode, it's a weird choice to have editing jokes in this kind of episode. I'm a sucker for the editing jokes. <laughs> but it is a, an episode that's mostly about dead kids. You need some comedy. Even Hamlet had Yorick or the Gravedigger or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like sometimes it's it's very hard to make that justified. It's kind of like um, if you've ever seen the original Last House on the Left where they have one of the most graphic scenes of murder and torture in a film ever. And it's intercut. With bumbling policemen chasing a chicken truck. (laughs) Like, it's not like those are two scenes in the same movie. Those are two scenes that they cross-cut. Intercut. Interesting. Oh, we gotta gotta calm down all this uh, horror that we're seeing. Weird. It makes Chicken chase. That makes me think about, as much as I love Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Mm -hmm. and anyone who listens to Hate to Remember and has listened to the Robert Hood episode Mm -hmm. knows that I love that movie, but you've got, like, two tone-deaf rape jokes in that movie that you're like... (laughs) First off, rape. Don't joke about it. That's yeah. a serious thing. And then, like, you've got these serious rape scenes, and we're making it slapstick comedy. Yep. Maybe And now. I had the playset as a kid. There was a playset? Not of the rape, but, <laughs> I mean, there was, like, Robin Hood toys, so I think I, okay. I think I did have a, or maybe it was, like, one of my cousins or a friend had, like, the Robin Hood playset. But I did have at least have the Sheriff of Nottingham. I remember because he had really weirdly skinny arms as an action figure and looked nothing like Alan Rickman. I'm picturing, you know, <laughs> how action figures had like you press a button and it's like punch, punch, yeah, punch. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm a picturing, in the back. yeah. What do they call it? Not action, something. They called it. I'm picturing a maid Marian where her legs just open. Oh no! <laughs> oh, because of the scene where he yeah. like splits her. Yeah. Ah. Mm. <sighs> you know, for kids. For kids. 
Dead kids. What were we talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Gingerbread. So Giles believes that the symbol on these kids' hands Mm -hmm. indicates that this was a cult murder. Buffy's upset that that means people did this. Yeah. I like the line, someone with a soul did this. Yeah. Is really really creepy. Is this the first time she's encountered a non-magical, well, in what she thinks is a non-magical death? I think strictly speaking, where it's like, it's not somebody influenced or like in the service of something evil. I can't think of another one offhand. I can see why that would really mess with her. At lunch, Oz and Xander are talking again. (laughs) Even if it is just to confirm that Oz is, in fact, eating a burrito. Yep. Oh, uh, so this whole scene is just full of just awkwardness. It's the most awkward so cafeteria. Awkward. Speaking of awkward, uh, Amy's uh. there, and let's—I mean, it's not. It, no, she's part of the gang. She's just she's always there at lunch, except we've never seen her at lunch with them before. Yeah. And let's awkwardly mention your new hairdo. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is a, a, a nice recurring feature that every episode Amy seems to be on, she has an entirely new hairstyle. Sure. Um, but it is just, it's so like obvious, oh, well, I guess this character is important in this episode. Yeah, like she hasn't been on the show for a season. Let, we should probably bring up the fact that this actress dyed her hair. Yeah. It makes me think about like in movies when brothers and sisters refer to them as bro or sis. Yeah. And they never do, no one ever does that in real life, except for my brother, who actually calls me sis all the time. I, I... Well, sometimes do it jokingly, and I'll often do it in a text or an email just because I it feels weird to say, hello, sibling name. Right. In an email that yeah. just feels weirdly personal, but like, hey, feels too impersonal. So, sure. I don't know. hey, I think, bro. I literally think my brother calls me sis because he sees it on TV all the time. <laughs> that it's just, this is how people talk. Yep. Be careful of what he watches. <laughs> my brain went to bad places with that. Don't. I'm running through all the possibilities of like, nope, don't watch that. Don't watch, don't watch that. <laughs> no flowers in the attic for you. I don't know what that is, but I went to um, Game of Thrones. <laughs> Just no. <laughs> really, don't don't take anybody in Game of Thrones as an example. There's I've never no good seen it, but I I know enough yeah. about it. Plus, everyone will will be dead. That also, I I like the people in my life to stay alive. <laughs> Joy shows up to lunch and links the quote-unquote, cult murder to witches. Mm -hmm. And the second of two times where somebody comes up just as they're being talked about. Yeah. It's very... It's a very awkward cafeteria today. I don't know. There's... I can't tell you the number of times, even at work, we're like, I'm walking in and hear, like, Kristen, blah, 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 like, you know, I'm I'm right here. (laughs) What you need. Joyce calls everyone she knows and rallies them for a vigil with the mayor in attendance. Yeah. Very realistic thing. They do sure. a lot in the aftermath of stuff. Yeah. Um, I think that's a, a neat detail. And it's nice because you never see that kind of stuff with any of the deaths in the show. Yeah. It's seems inter- like there's never really a funeral. We went to a funeral home once, but once. it seemed to just to be a, to visit a vampire. And this makes sense to me that the not only a non-magical death, but children mm-hmm. like would prompt this kind of response, whereas like... Yeah. Just another person having neck rupture (laughs) wouldn't necessarily do the same thing. Also, Mayor! Mayor! At the vigil, Willow is surprised to see her own mom in attendance. Willow has a mom! So are we, (laughs) frankly. That character that we've grown to love so much. It's weird that, like, I mean, like, Xander's parents don't show up often, Mm -hmm. but we hear about them more as being a presence in his life. And we, I mean, Mm -hmm. we meet them and that kind of thing. It is really weird that this is the only 
appearance of Willow's mom, and we will never meet her father. No. Yeah, I mean, I guess they kind of, they kind of in this episode explain why, because she's a very offhand parent, also very like. I like that they do that. Isolated. I yeah. like that, like, in their interactions, I get it. I totally yeah. get it. Like, she is, no wonder she's so, I mean, like, in some ways she's very immature, but in other ways, mm. no wonder she's so mature and yeah. smart because she's had to take care of herself, yeah. basically. And, and just the idea of her parents probably have talked to her like this, like, she's a fellow college professor instead of right. a daughter her entire life. So you have to yeah. kind of get used to talking and thinking in an adult way earlier on. Yeah. It's not like they were ever like, hi, sweetie, do you want to watch SpongeBob SquarePants? SquarePants? <laughs> instead, it's like, um, another documentary should I So yeah. an NPR in the car mm-hmm. that Giles and Joyce are weird. Ah, I love it every time. <laughs> Cause they boned twice, twice, two times. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. No, I like it a lot. Yeah. Every time I just can't, I can't get enough of it. I wish I wish they had found more excuses for it to happen in the show. I know. <laughs> the mayor makes a speech. Mayor. He applauds the community for being a good town mm-hmm. of good people. <laughs> and this does sound like a a typical yeah. boilerplate mm-hmm. politician speech. Yeah. I like though that Joyce responds by telling him that he's wrong. Mm-hmm. He, this is not a good town. Uh, how many of us have lost someone who just disappeared or got skinned or suffered neck rupture? <laughs> and how many of us have been too afraid to speak out? I think this is yeah. interesting because I, this is not the speech we were expecting her mm-hmm. to make yeah. at you, all. You expect her to say, it's just a, this is so sad. Let's all, you know, hug it out and that kind of thing. Yeah, this is a good town. I can see from all the people mm-hmm. here what a good people you are. And like to straight up say that your hometown, like this is not a good yeah. town. That's, I mean, that's mm-hmm. kind of a brave statement. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a little ruined later on when you find out she was probably being told to say this by uh, evil children That's who are actually interesting how much of yeah, this... Yeah, like, and how early. And how early was influenced by the kids. Because mm-hmm. a lot of this, up until a point, is, I feel like, pretty rational, mm-hmm. common behavior in response to a tragedy like yeah. this. Yeah, it's, it's something you could definitely debate. I didn't do a scene-by-scene breakdown to uh, hypothesize, um, but I'm sure there's probably clues in there if you really look. But I think it's just it's fun that it's left a little open. Although, this does bring me to an idea I had um, when the, the chloroform comes out later, is the idea of what would this episode be like if you saw it more from Joyce's perspective. If it was Joyce-centric and that you saw her slowly being influenced and turning dark, the, the thing that I think you would lose, though, that it, it's kind of awesome is the surprise of her taking out her own daughter. Because you would see that coming more. Right. See, to me, that feels like um, the mistake they made with I Robot You Jane, mm. where we saw everything come in, coming from the beginning because you saw everything Moloch did. Mm, yeah. Um, and we kept saying in that, like, it'd be better mm-hmm. if, this, if, we did, if we were in Buffy's point of view mm-hmm. and we don't know yeah. what's going on with this. Yeah. So um, I like it. I, yeah. I do think that... It seems like it's the kids were definitely there from probably the day after their death, mm-hmm. but it just got progressively worse. Yeah, um, yeah. I think I see the kids every time that she mentions, like when she first brings up the witches out mm-hmm. of nowhere. Yeah. Um, and then she calls her daughter out as a slayer in front of the town. Yeah. That's where I'm like, uh, bitch, move. Yeah, that is not. That, that's not cool. Rational choice there. Yeah. I do like in the speech, too, when she says unnatural evil, and the mayor's kind of shifting, like, uh, what, who, me? <laughs> <laughs> like, 
Come on. Nobody's even suspected. You don't have to be super shady about it. <laughs> she vows to make the people responsible pay. Cut to... Editing joke. Editing joke. (laughs) Cut to Amy and her goth friend, Michael. You know, Michael. Michael, that guy. And Willow casting a spell. Oh, no, not Willow. Well, I mean, at at least it's it's nice. I'm sure you guys have watched this episode. It's nice that Willow never went further with the dark magic and nothing bad ever happened from that. Yep. Nope. She learned her lesson. Mm Mm-hmm. Once and for all. (laughs) Uh, I, I think this is a good... That this is good editing. I, mm-hmm. I like that. This definitely, I remember, threw me for a loop. I mm-hmm. thought that yeah. Willow was up to some evil, shady shit. Yeah, like, and it, you would assume, like, oh, it's probably something like she got influenced and they'll fight whatever the evil is and she'll be, like, cured of it or whatever. But you definitely thought, like, oh, she's somehow in on it. She's, right. I mean, they're, like, they're praying with the symbol that was on the kids. Definitely, yeah. Oh, and uh, the, the Michael kid, um, I knew he was familiar his name is uh, Blake uh, Soper or Swenson, depending on how uh, when when what uh, thing you're looking him up from. He's changed his name from his original name and back. Um, he was on Boy Meets World okay. and Salute Your Shorts. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, nice. I know I remember that kid. Very nice. Yeah, I'm just like, I okay, don't necessarily take remember his character, but like I've seen those things, so yep. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he was one of the like, kind of like not bully kids, but kind of like. A-hole kids on Boy Meets World. Okay. And then Salute Your Shorts. I think he was... He was only in like half of it. And then I think he was replaced with a different guy. Why or, is Salute Your Shorts not on Netflix, man? I don't know. I would watch that shit so hard. I'd watch the... Uh, what was it? Uh, the the No No Zeke episode. Do you ever see that one? No. Like, I mostly remember... Oh, no, I'm thinking of an episode of Pete and Pete. Keep going. Uh-huh. Yeah. But it's like the, the scary episode where the camp counselor talks about how... Um, there's this guy who got his nose cut off, and then he scares all the kids, and then they scare him back. And it's it was I remember it being really fun and a little scary. I'm sure watching it now, it would not be zero percent scary. Probably not. I always when I and whenever someone says salute their sh- salute your shorts, salute their shorts, salute your shorts, um, salute everyone's shorts. shorts. <laughs> I always think of Pete and Pete. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely watch both, but yeah. I have stronger memories in Pete and Pete. Yeah. And my the episode of that that sticks out the clearest is the barbecue chicken episode oh where he's eating all the wings and he has to like eat them clean they have like a contest of like who can do things best and it ends with the who can eat barbecue chicken best episode and or um contest and the guy eats it without getting any barbecue sauce on himself Mm. and the lesson is like haha no but barbecue chicken is supposed to be messy and think of that every time i eat barbecue chicken (laughs) So you learned a lesson. I did. I learned a valuable lesson. Be messy. So I wonder, I feel like at this point in the 90s, mm-hmm. there was a big goth phase going on. Yeah. It right? seemed like there was. Like there was the whole, the you know, the craft. Everyone was pretending to, that they were into witchcraft. I went through it. I totally did. Did you have a backlash against goths at your school? I think it was more just, I kind of remember them always just being like, Oh, those are the goths. Let's just let's just let's just take take the other side of the hallway. Like, no, don't even like. Yeah. It wasn't like bullying in the strictest sense of like, oh, we're gonna make fun of them. It was just like, I I can't. I don't know what to. You're you're in yeah. a different world. Where our worlds don't meet. It's kind of the general consensus. I feel like my school's reaction was very similar to the reaction of characters on South Park. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like the goth kids were always kind of on their own, mm-hmm. and it yeah. wasn't so much that like. 
there was bullying. I'm not going to mm-hmm. say there wasn't. There's, I yeah. definitely remember seeing the goths kid, kids getting bullied. But for most of us, I feel like it was like, I don't know what to do with you. Yeah. You and, seem to want to be on your own. Yeah. And like, I don't, I don't want to like piss you off. And it's hard for me to read your emotions through all the white pancake makeup. Yeah. So I'm just going to like let you do you. Right. And then the, like, then you had like the whole trench coat mafia thing became mm. a thing. Yeah. And this is the same year. This episode came out this, or the season is the same mm. year as Columbine. So yeah. that became a whole, like yeah. the people, you weren't really goth, but you were something else. I was, I mean, I don't remember too many people like using that as far as like my uh, compatriots, my people of my same age, using that as a way to kind of like. Be more aggressive towards. I remember adults thinking stuff like that, like, "Oh, you shouldn't talk to that kid. He wears a trench coat." Sure, yeah. I remember my parents always telling me to be careful in downtown Naperville, which is a mm. suburb. It's a very large suburb yeah. outside of um, Chicago, and they have this little downtown area. And there's a river river walk. It's very mm-hmm. pretty. Yeah. But my parents would never let me go down there because they kept telling me that there are. There's dangerous people down there, yeah. and it was it was where the goth kids hung out. Yeah. and like I just remember being like, they're just they're just sitting around smoking. Yeah, like they're not bothering anybody. No, no that's that's the majority of of how you can describe what goth kids do in high school. They're just sitting around smoking. Yeah, they're fine. <laughs> so the next day at school, Amy and Michael are confronted by some bullies. Buffy pops her head in, and they back up. I love. Mm-hmm. The way she pops her head in. Yep. I'm obsessed with this little neck move she does. I must have watched it 20 times. <laughs> <laughs> it is just so cute and peppy and like, hey, hey, how's it going? <laughs> I like that they back off. I like that she already yeah. has this reputation mm-hmm. of like, don't mess with her. Yeah, she's trouble. And I like that that's going to follow us into this the next episode. Yes. Oh. So Giles needs a book that he lent Willow. Buffy ruffles through her notes and finds the symbol that was drawn on the kid's oh, hands. No. But I doodle. It's a doodle. I do doodle. You too. You do doodle too. <laughs> oh, Whitlow. I love that as well. It's adorable. <laughs> the police start opening lockers at school. Ooh, yeah. This also happened at my school at least once. Oh, man. Um, but they're specifically just looking for pot. And I think I only saw it because I was, like, going to the bathroom. It wasn't like the entire school turned out for it. It was, like, me going to the bathroom going, like, oh, you're looking for pot. You're probably going to find it. (laughs) Like, welcome to high school. It's going to be there. It's it's a high school. There's got to be pot in at least one of those lockers. Um, I don't remember them doing, like, a whole, like, let's do all the lockers. I do remember them taking... Targeted lockers. Yeah, targeted lockers. Yeah, no, no, no. I don't remember them doing every locker. Definitely no one ever opened my locker that I'm aware of. Yeah. But definitely... They did. They would just find a lot of old papers. Yeah. And one year, I think, like, an apple accidentally left it in there. They would find all of my old lunches. Yeah. Like... I was like a straight up a store for my friends. I was like, oh, did you want Cheetos? I have three bags of Cheetos. Hold on. <laughs> Coke, did you want diet or regular? I got it. You're like running a whole little convenience I had so store. Much, it's the same as my office at work now. So many snacks. <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm a grazer. I'm always, I just have to have, always have food on me because I just graze. So the police are taking away any witchy stuff. I like I th- that uh, Cordelia has imported hairspray. Yeah, I... Like, hairspray? I think it's just, like, $45. I'm like, nobody. Nobody ever. No, on a hairspray? Hairspray. Like, I'm sure there's plenty of other products, hair products specifically, that you would spend that much money on, but hairspray oh seems God. like... If, if that were, like, wrinkle cream, that'd be cheap. Oh, yeah, that'd yeah. That'd be cheap. Yeah. But no, nobody imports hairspray, because it's... I mean, it, you can't be fancy when you're coming out of an aerosol can. <laughs> 
I feel bad for the kid whose garlic is taken. Yeah. What if it's for home ec? Also, vampires are real. Yeah. He needs that. Yeah. That that that's not just like oh I'm doing witchy stuff. That's like I don't want to die. And like the police know that. I'm like no 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 the the garlic is is for humans to use, yeah. not the monsters, mm-hmm. not the witches. Humans. That that kid is just smart, and he's being punished. Yeah. Or he really likes garlic. Did you see that they found the hanging body from Xander's locker? <laughs> Thank God. I know. That thing is gone. That, that is, I, I, their, their actions in this episode, almost justifiable just because they did that. <laughs> Except they don't take him away. It's like, you need to see the school counselor. <laughs> Willow says that the symbol was part of a protection spell for mm-hmm. Buffy for her birthday, Aww. which turns out she could have used. Yeah. Buffy goes to Giles for help. But the police are also confiscating most of his books. Aww. He calls Snyder a twisted little hum- humunculus, yeah. which I had to look up. <laughs> and like, not only that, first I had to look up the quote so I knew how to spell it. Yep. And then I had to look it up. It means like a tiny little person. <laughs> yeah. So I, I like this because I've always said that Snyder is a fascist. Mm-hmm. And now he's really straight up yeah. acting like a fascist. Yeah, he's he's like, straight up being he's going, Hitler. Yeah, full, full on Gestapo. He's... Now he's he just needs to burn them. And, weird yeah. apocalypse now references. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he's going full tilt. Also, don't, moo. Moo. Yeah, don't hurt him because you'll have to answer to moo. <laughs> Mothers opposed to the occult. Yep. Led by Joyce. Mm-hmm. Willow's mom wants to talk about Willow's witchery. She considers this a common adolescent response to a fear of encroaching adulthood. Oh, Mrs. Rosenberg is such a tool. <laughs> I hate her so much. Here's the thing that she's not wrong. Like, it, well, the same way that, they, like, there was a goth thing. I, there were a lot of girls that, like, in my school thought they were witches. Mm-hmm. And, like, they weren't. But that's just an adolescent thing. Probably, yes, of trying to feel powerful yeah. when you are in your most powerlessness. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the correct way to, like, deal with that is not to recite research. Yeah, no, don't your tell your kid that. Yeah. you. I mean, like, the way you deal with a teenager is you don't. Yeah. yeah, don't tell them they're being emotional and hormonal. That'll mm-hmm. just make it worse. Yeah. That's like asking a woman who's PMSing, are you PMSing? Don't do that. Or you know what? Ask a woman who's not PMSing if she's PMSing. Don't ask a woman <laughs> if she's PMSing. I swear to God. No. That's don't one of the two it. things you're never supposed to ask a lady, her age, if she's PMSing. And are you pregnant? Oh, oh, that's yeah. Yeah. I just feel like that's... I'm getting mad thinking about it. You're not even asking me these questions, and I'm mad. (laughs) I know what to ask next week. (laughs) I like the line in here where Willow says, I'm not an age group. I really like that. Yeah, and I remember remember feeling this way in high school. I remember Mm -hmm. being, like, when parents telling you, you're just a teen... It's just because you're a teenager. It's just because of hormones or Mm -hmm. puberty. And that pissing me off more than Mm -hmm. anything. In the exact same way I get pissed off now if someone asks me if I'm PMSing. (laughs) Because all it's basically saying, you're not in your right mind. Mm -hmm. You don't have the right... To feel the way you do, yeah. it must it must just be hormones driving you crazy. Mm-hmm. When like obviously you believe, yeah, I'm right. I have every right mm-hmm. to feel this way. I am in my right mind yeah. and justified. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I totally remember this. Willow tries to prove that she actually has powers and a rebellious side. After all, she is dating a musician. Oh, big bombshell! Uh, before we get too far past it, I do want to mention. I think my favorite line from the episode. Uh, was, uh, when Mrs. Rosenberg is talk, is criticizing, uh, Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. It says, King Friday, lording it over all the other puppets. 
Because he's, he's uh, this is something about like patriarchal systems. And, yeah, yeah, like instead of being like a kid, you were talking to me about yeah, King Mr. Friday. Roger. Yeah. yeah, nice. Lording it over the other puppets. <laughs> yeah, she also hates she hates puppets and musicians. Yes, sure. I think this is funny because, like, you know, it's such a stereotype about, like, dating musician or girls mm-hmm. being turned on by musicians. And I think that's so funny because I have not on purpose dated so many musicians. Sure, not on purpose. But it's a lot. No. <laughs> like, you just tripped and fell and you were dating a musician. Yeah, no. No, it's only so, like, you start dating the guy and you're like, oh, and you also play the drums? I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, like, you subconsciously saw, like, a drummer's callus on his hands. And sure. Like, Ooh, wait, he's, he's probably a drummer. I have no idea if it were subconscious. Yeah. So, it turns out Joyce was behind those locker raids. She questions Buffy's ability to perform Ugh. as a slayer. Mm. I mean, after all, they're not running out of vampires. Oh, uh. Oh. This is a low... This Rough. is the kids talking. This yeah. is... I don't believe this is no, Joyce. No. Yeah. Especially because earlier this episode, she was being so supportive of the slaying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's definitely like she's being twisted. I look how they also find a way in this scene to fit in some stuff about uh, censorship as well, because they're taking away the, the books and yes. they, they talk about... The um, ones that are okay yeah. and they'll bring back the one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I like Buffy's line talking about how, well, uh, too bad if the uh, Saving the World from the Apocalypse book wasn't on the approved we- reading list. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a good point, because if in a world where the occult is real, banning the occult only hurts the good people. Exactly. Right? Like... How many times have they yeah. they used that library? Yeah, I mean, the off chance that somebody is using that library for bad occult stuff and, like, getting past Giles to, like, get to the bad books, pretty low compared to the times they've, like, you could document Save the World. So let's get into this. So the, I used to always call this the Salem Witch episode. Mm-hmm. And I'd still back that up. Like, you, yeah. you would know what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. They basically hold the Salem Witch trials yeah. here. But... I mean, it really struck me this time watching it how much that this is an episode about fascism. Mm -hmm. It's totally about using fear mongering Mm -hmm. and using the idea of protecting people to give up your civil rights. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, and I think that's, that's why the easy parallel is the Salem Witch Trials, which you could say in their own way are fascist. And then, yeah, sure. Talk about blacklisting and all sorts of other, and just any fascist government they've, probably use similar tactics to what we see in the episode right um of yeah making preying on people's fears and then also making them feel like they're doing something great by supporting fascism Mm -hmm. Um, yeah yeah so it's it's kind of interesting you don't see too many teen shows that address fascism it's interesting and it i mean i i like it because i think it works on so many levels Mm -hmm. and partly because this idea of fascism um, and the idea of fear-mongering and a mob mentality mm-hmm. is kind of timeless. I mean, yeah. it, you know, it, it existed in the Salem Witch Trials. Mm-hmm. It existed during yeah. um, the 1940s with Hitler. It yeah. exists now. Like, we, fear is, con- is still used in politics mm-hmm. all yeah. the time to convince people to alienate certain groups mm-hmm. or to give... I don't want to get too political here, yeah. but you know, it, yeah. it is um, so applicable. And I feel like this is interesting that they bring it up in this episode with a show that's kind of geared towards teenagers mm-hmm. originally and contains teenagers because this is when I was learning about yeah. 
fascism. And this mm-hmm. is when I was learning U.S. government and, I, you know, that kind of thing. So this really, I think, hammers it home, makes it yeah. easily accessible. And just by this 40 minutes of television, mm-hmm. I can draw so many parallels and so many conclusions. And, like, you can see how just a little bit of power people go too far. Yeah. And, and it always starts with good intentions. Like, you exactly. can see the beginning, like, oh, this makes sense. This makes oh, like, this doesn't make quite as much sense. I can't see where you're going. Like, oh, wait, now you're bringing people to the stake. Yeah. This is not justified. Um, it's very appropriate. And also, it's specifically very prescient, because um, we mentioned happening the same year as Columbine, because I feel like there was some... Um, again, I don't feel... I personally saw it as much from students, but definitely, like, adults feeling the need to try to, like, restrict goth style and right. black trench coats and like yep. that that was the problem yeah that's what's um, gonna make yeah. you hurt your fellow students yeah not- is, is trench coats yeah <laughs> um, yeah um so yeah it's it's specifically very prescient for that specific moment but like you said also timeless in a lot of ways after buffy leaves we see joyce is talking to the dead kids Ooh, it gets all pet cemetery up in here yeah this is the first time we've seen them i think this is interesting because we're now halfway through the episode mm-hmm. And up until now, I really thought this was no magic. Yeah. I thought this was just Joyce. Mm-hmm. And all the conflict was yeah. coming from her and Moo and Snyder. And that it was just straight up, mm-hmm. this is how people act. That's how realistic this is. Yeah. But we we find out that the kids are using magic, I guess, to yeah. encourage Joyce to stop the bad people. She's aware these children are actually dead. So mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure what's going on, if it's a spell or hypnotism or... I think it's kind of like... Like suggestion, and she she does see them because like there is a physical form they're taking, right? But only certain people can see it, and I think it's the kind of a suggestion, just like how people don't really question. And it comes up later, who were those kids? Like who right. were their parents? What were their names? It's yeah. kind of like a subtle, like hypnotism, but more just suggestion of like don't think about this, just. Don't, your perception is right. a little dulled, so you don't really think about it. Yeah, I like the line later when Buffy goes, dead people are talking to you, do the math. Yeah. Like, if you were in your right mind, you'd mm-hmm. realize, like, um, yeah, there's something wrong here. <laughs> Angel meets Buffy on her patrol. There's a lot of interesting ideas here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Buffy's wondering if being in Sunnydale, she's even made a difference, which, no. thanks to just watching The Wish, we yeah. know that she definitely I has. I callback! Buffy remarks on how you can't beat evil, which is something we just mm-hmm. talked about in Amends. What the hell? <laughs> There's so much through line here. Yeah. Uh, uh, Angel uh, tells her that they fight because there's something worth fighting for, something that I think he learned in Amends. Uh-huh. And then that's a huge, that's like the thesis statement for the show Angel. Yeah. Or at least it becomes the thesis statement for the show Angel is like, just some of these lines, it's important to keep fighting. We never win, not completely. We do it because there are things worth fighting for. This is all, like, super important, yeah, to Buffy, but I think it's kind of like the mission statement of Angel is, like, yeah. even if the odds are against you and you know you can never fully win, you have to keep fighting. Yeah. And I think that's it's really well expressed here. I like that it's a callback to amends. I just think it's really – they do a great job at making points in different ways throughout the season without making it – so that you have to have just seen every episode to get it. But if you have just seen every episode, it really resonates even more. Yes, even these things that could be considered monster of the week, mm-hmm. you're seeing the art and the characters. Yes. They're learning. They're growing. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. He also brings up the kid's parents, which makes Buffy realize that no one's ever mentioned them before. I love because she gets all detective here. At the library, Giles is yelling at his computer. <laughs> 
which makes me think of me and yeah. all technology, whether yeah. it's my cell phone or my computer or this microphone. Microphone. I'm oh, sorry, microphone. So we love you. Heading it. It's okay. Do you hear that? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> it's a very good microphone. Yeah. Oz chats Willow to get her help looking up info on the kids' identity. these computers to the rescue. I mean, this days it could be G-chat. Yeah. But, I mean, the, it's, the it's computer chats is using, they, they don't make computers. I don't like think that. it's an instant messenger. I don't even know no, what it is. That's um, uh, the Model T messenger. <laughs> it's whatever they use in... Um, Board games? Jump, well, I was thinking Jumpy Jack Flash. Oh, yep. <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> The net. Do you, do you think that Jumpin' Jack Flash and uh, War Games, like those two characters, chatted together? Yes. I think it's a shared universe. Yeah, all the time. Uh, so they're looking up info on the kids' identities. The same kids' pictures show up every 50 years with the same story. Going all the way back to the 1600s in Germany, Hansel and Gretel. What? Based on a true story. Which is interesting because this whole thing I'm thinking... Mm-hmm. Salem Witch Trials, I'm thinking fascism, and Mm -hmm. it's our Hansel and Gretel episode. Like, it's interesting how many different layers Mm -hmm. can work with this. Meanwhile, Willow's mom has been talking with Mrs. Summers, and she's ready to believe Willow and let her go with love. Creepiest fucking shit. I love the line. Oh my god, I love it so much. Get your coat, witch! Yeah, I'm very concerned about you not catching yeah. hypothermia. On your way to be burned at the stake. In California. Yeah, <laughs> like, get your coat, witch. There are so many things. <laughs> Giles explains that some demons feed off the discontent they sow among humans. Oh. Michael arrives, looking recently bit up. Oh, no, not up. Michael. Not Michael. <laughs> so, obviously, discontent has been sown. A mob is dragging people out of their homes for a trial at City Hall. Mm. This is where I want to know where the mayor is. I think he's just like, oh, this shit's just got real. I'm going to sidestep this. I got I got a big uh, uh, scary cupboard thing. of magic stuff. Yeah, I'm just going to lock buy. that up. Let you guys do what you need to do. Wait till this blows over. Buffy goes home to try to talk sense in a Joyce, but she and her followers chloroform Buffy and Mr. Giles. Here's a question. Yes. Where did that chloroform come from? I was going to say, how do people in TV and movies always have chloroform? Because the thing is, like, the kid is holding it as if he provided it. So is this a demon that, like, produces chloroform? Where do you get it? seems a bit weird. Where do you get it? I get yeah. their actual physical because they're not really dead kids. Mm-hmm. So it's not like it's a ghost. So does he, but- like, every, every 50 years, like, spends a lot of time, like, okay, I got to pick out my outfit for when I'm two kids. Got to pick up my chloroform. I uh, got to work on my lines. Is that just all preparation? <laughs> it's not like rubbing alcohol or hydrogen peroxide. This isn't shit no. you keep in your medicine this cabinet. Is I th- I'm pretty sure you have to have at, at least a, a, a medical license, if not like some kind of there special is some shady ass doctor handing out prescriptions. For chloroform? For what chloroform. do you get? A chloroform prescription. I can't sleep, so. <laughs> I was about to say, for trouble sleeping. Yeah, Tylenol PM doesn't work for me. It's not strong enough. Instead, I'm going to get a 1920s ga- goon to uh, to put a cloth over my face every night. Because that's how it works best. Yes, yeah, of course. I See, I, what's uh, funny about the scene <laughs> is that I knew something was wrong mm-hmm. when Giles walks in and Joyce isn't acting weird. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's acting She's too high. calm with, yeah. the, 
with the two times over there. But yeah, I do You've like been calling him old two times. Old two times. Um, only in reference to a scene where he's in, in it with Troyes. Uh, old two times. But I, I do think that this, the reveal that she's gone this far, that she's willing to chloroform her daughter, is is a nice, shocking part. So yeah. Um, I know I mentioned earlier, I think it would be cool to see the episode from Joyce's point of view and have it be more about like her descent and see, like seeing how you would get there from the starting point. But um, yeah, I think it does work a lot better this way than, than it might the other way where it could just be like, let's get to the finish line here. Yeah. Downtown, Amy, Willow, and Buffy are tied to stakes. Boo! It looks like Moo is going to burn them and the books at the same time. So this is where you really get the intersection of Salem Witch Trials, fascism, mm-hmm. Hansel and Gretel, School everything. School censorship. It's just everything's in a, in a blender at City Hall. Cordy wakes up Giles by slapping him a lot. And this is another editing joke where it's it's like, Buffy, Buffy, won't you slap, 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 wake up. It's cut to Giles being slapped. Oh, I didn't recognize that. As yeah. I was more focused on Cordy being hilarious. <laughs> well, I think it's a great... His face hurt her hand. <laughs> it's such a great pairing because they're the two characters that just have no business being alone least together. Least in common. The it's least and no... even less than Xander. Yeah. I like the line, you're going to wake up in a coma, and him actually pausing and be like, wake up, up in a... a- Never mind. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Never mind. You're an idiot. She uh, kind of points out how much Giles uh, gets uh, knocked out. I yes. like that. Sure. They've realized how, how, how frequently that character gets knocked out. The line that does always annoy me, though, is when she says, my mom confiscated all of my black clothing, but she's currently wearing a black hoodie and black pants. Dear Buffy costumer, yeah, put her in blue, put or, her in red, or or scriptwriter add the word other. Sure, all my other Fine. black clothing, it, yeah. Or charisma, I love you, but improv that yeah. shit. You're currently wearing black. Look down and be like, for the better of the show. Yeah, I'm saying the word other. <laughs> I'm taking this one for the team, even if the writer hates me. Sorry, Jane. Xander and Oz run from the angry mob. I love Oz here. He's so cool. The whole, like, y'all know you're crazy, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, just to be sure. I like how they're working together. They're they're putting aside their yeah, differences. Yeah, I think this is a big moment fence. for them. But, like, you know, the, earlier in the episode, Xander was all upset that he felt guilty and mm-hmm. he thinks people are judging him. Yeah. And this, in the same way that Xander got over his jealousy of Angel mm. by helping during amends, I yeah. feel like Xander and Oz are getting over their weirdness mm-hmm. by working together to save their... Women they both care about. Yeah. Buffy wakes up. The way that Joyce says good morning, sleepyhead. Uh, so uh, fucking creepy. Those kids are extra motherfuckers. It's just because of how, like, because they would have to have told her to do that. That's not something Joyce would choose to do on her own. They would have to be like, hey, hey, why don't you, why don't you say good morning, sleepyhead? Uh, I, th- I mean, creepy. I just, I think the kids are me- messing with the mom's point of views because I think this is when you see that, like, they're still moms. Yeah. But they think they're helping here. That's mm. where the kids come in. Mm. The kids are telling him like this. This is this is what you do to someone yeah. you love. This is this is how you help them. Oh, those kids! I hate this them. is like being like, yeah, you, you know what's a smart idea? Tie a witch to some weights and throw her in a lake. <laughs> if she floats, she's a witch. Well, she's gonna die, but it's okay. You're yeah. helping her. It's she fine. Died a good Christian death. Sure. 
Amy turns herself into a rat and shall henceforth be referred to as the Amy Rat <laughs> forever and ever and ever. And it really, it's at this point in time where you really figure out, oh, Amy just really has that one spell. She really, really, I know that's so great that like you think she's this badass witch. It's like she just figured out that the one spell. One thing, the one thing, even her love, her love spell she did with Xander turned out wrong. Yeah. It's this like, is all she can do. She's just the rat lady. Yeah. That's what she's good at. Buffy's actually lucky that she that Amy didn't turn her in a rat first, because I mean, mm. the, then they would all be yeah. stuck. I I love that this joke never ends. It's just never going to end. This is this is a <laughs> five season long gift that just keeps giving. <laughs> Although it is like it does make you kind of question the morals of some of your main characters when it's like you should really put a little bit more of your side time into turning that person you know. From a rat into a human again. I'm mostly going to blame Giles because I feel like he's smarter than anyone else. When, did they ever tell Giles? Oh. <gasps> oh. Because I don't remember him ever talking about it. Well, then I'm mad at them because all they could have done like, hey, Giles, she, she's a rat. Like, Didn't they undid Buffy from the rat or Amy undid Buffy from the I think the Amy rat. did. All right. But didn't Giles help? This is their fault for not telling Giles. Yep. They just wanted a pet. Well, I think maybe the justification is they're going to tell him, but then all the stuff that happens in the next episode happens. So they're on like, they're, they're on like bad terms. And by that time, they just figured, oh, we must have told him about this already. And he said we couldn't do anything, right? Or did I dream that? I don't know. (laughs) I paid that bill. (laughs) Oh, my life. (laughs) Giles picks the lock. He starts the spell to show the demon in its true form. Mm hmm. Cordy sprays the mob and eventually the fire with a fire hose. Uh, some of the worst dubbing in the show's history, sadly, is uh, when she says, uh, uh, Cordy, aim at the fire. You say, oh, right. And it, it barely, I mean, it is Charisma Carpenter, but it barely sounds, it sounds like they got it off of a voice machine uh, recording right. from like 1995. It just is such bad dubbing in that one part. I feel like this is her revenge for that moment in What's My Line, where Xander's mm. spraying her with the hose and yeah. clearly just likes her in a wet shirt. Yeah. So she's like, yeah, mob, you be in a wet shirt. <laughs> All those dads, uh, I want to see his, your shirt cling to your chest because nope, nope. Nope. Let's, let's move on. This Which is going a bad to a visual weird place. place. <laughs> Uh, so the real demon's face is really gross. Mm-hmm. And it's one demon, which is weird. Because it's two kids. I think that's cool, though. I like the fact that like, they just turn feelings. and hug, and it becomes one dude. <laughs> one really tall dude. Because I'm not expecting that. Yeah. I don't know. I like it. Yeah. I'm, I, like I, it. I have mixed feelings. I do like it because it kind of like, the thing looks kind of almost like a troll, but you could see it may, maybe being like a witch. So it's Hansel yeah. and Gretel are also the witch. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Think of it that way. And it's it's... I mean, it's tall. Like, yeah. I don't know if this is forced perspective or it's just a super tall I guy. think it's just a tall dude. Yeah. And, and, and good makeup. The morph effect is a little so-so, but the makeup on him is pretty cool. He's a pretty I, cool I, monster. The makeup is great, and the morph effect itself, meh. But the idea that it comes from these two little kids hugging each other, and that's what creates... I like that. <laughs> that it's, makes a big old it's monster. It's different. I like how the, the demon saying, protect us, kill the bad girls, <laughs> is just not as yeah. Uh, convincing. <laughs> yeah. I love that he still tries. Like, I know. This has worked. Uh, I'm sure they'll still uh, believe me, right? Not only is he ugly, but that voice of, protect us, kill the bad girls. <laughs> I think it might have even been creepier if he still had the little kid voice. Oh. Protect us, kill the bad girl. Hey. And it's this giant monster. 
Uh, Buffy breaks her stake and rams it through the demon's neck. A lot of giant stake in this season. Did I get it? Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know why I like this better than Fate's giant stake. The, just the physics make more sense. It, it goes through his neck, not his chest. Mm-hmm. And it's more he runs into it, not yeah. that her strength goes through his ribcage. Mm-hmm. So I like this one. I did, I did not like the last giant stake. Well, I think this one also is played for comedic effect where the other one's supposed to be really badass, but it's not yeah. really earned. Right. And this is, did I get it? Did <laughs> I get it? And then finally the boys come through through the vent onto the floor and they say that we're here to save you. My heroes. <laughs> I leave it to Buffy to really turn the whole damsel into stress thing on its head yeah. and have the heroes just, we're here to save you. <laughs> Later, Willow and Buffy are trying to undo Amy Rat without success. Uh, I like that Amy Rat try like is like ready for it. She stands on two feet. Like, come on, are you ready? No. It, nothing, mm, nothing happens. Okay. So, what's the lesson in gingerbread? A lot of things here. There's a lot. Like, yeah. I, I feel like it's it's just kind of beware mm. mob mentality yeah. and people using fear to get you to act as you wouldn't before or mm-hmm. to give up your rights yeah um yeah it's interesting yeah. because the, i mean the idea of you know this tragedy of these two mm-hmm. kids being murdered being this force that rallies people to hold a vigil and you know it, we see that kind of thing living in chicago a lot mm-hmm. unfortunately yeah. some tragedy of a, a kid getting shot in cotton gang fire mm-hmm. or something and the community rallies around to try to get more police present or get yeah. a law passed or that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's good. I think yeah. that's a good thing. But this is saying just just be careful. Yeah. Don't let it go too far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of uh, other lessons in here as well that are kind of like mini points just about watching out for fascism, watching out for censorship, um, make sure to keep fighting that's uh, brought up again to to always be vigilant but um also be be cognizant and and thinking like there it, it, it's it's a really dense episode and i think that's really cool so it it holds up to repeat viewing which is yeah. nice because you can yeah. always pick out a little thing and kind of watch it from a different angle and as we said because i think the idea of fascism and um bullying mm-hmm. and that kind of thing is is timeless Unfortunately, it continues to be applicable, Mm -hmm. um, you know, in a perfect world, obviously. We wouldn't have bullies and we wouldn't have people, you know, using fear to rally you towards a message of hate. Um, But it it, it happens. You could even say that the episode makes the point that this stuff happens all the time because it is a a demon that does this every 50 years. Exactly. That there's always going to be people using tragedy or or fear or the feeling of helplessness or whatever it is to uh, gain power or to influence people in a way that ends up being very harmful Mm -hmm. and uh, potentially kind of evil. Right. So, yeah. It's time to put gingerbread back on the shelf and open the books on Helpless. Buffy and Angel are fighting in the mansion. Wait, did I accidentally put on Becoming? (laughs) I still feel like it's so weird that he lives there. I know I've said this before. That is so weird. That is the it place is a nice we, place. You that's the place the where you got murdered, though. Fair. That's fair. I don't... That's, and, like, they're in the same room all the time. 
had a hard time going back to the grocery store where I, where I was mugged. I don't know if I'd want to live yeah, there. <laughs> exactly. Like, I know there's not a lot of options. He, he lost whatever weird apartment he was living in in season one. It was weirdly nice for whatever reason. And then got worse in season two for whatever reason. But yeah, it just it just seems like an odd choice. And they're not even, like, redecorate even. Sure. Something. But he should be reminded of the bad that he did. He's He doesn't need help brooding. <laughs> I'm saying I think maybe it might be his choice. He's a glutton for punishment. Ugh, he, he would wants, choose that. He wants to feel bad. I'm going to live in the room where I die to remind me of how bad I was. Ugh. So they fight. They're sparring as a workout. It They can't. It's... It's a sexy workout picnic. Somehow it's that they sexy. Can't, it is. Yeah. It's kind of a turn on. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 it's good. I like it. It's good. <laughs> Do you need a minute alone? They're getting, they're getting kind of sweaty. They're, they, they're touching. It's good. <laughs> I just feel like you're doing commentary for a porn very badly. <laughs> it's just like, like sweaty and they're kind of they're touching. <laughs> The delivery boy walks in. <laughs> <laughs> so Buffy's birthday is this weekend. She's got a date with an older man. He likes it when I call him daddy. <laughs> so it's her actual dad. I know, but just any 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 time anybody over ten saying the word daddy is gross. Oh, I like the fact that that Angel's still a little worried that it's not actually her dad. Yeah. <laughs> it's your dad. Wait, it is your dad, right? <laughs> That'd be... I th- for this, I feel like it's not so much jealousy as so much as like, you're not calling <laughs> your boyfriend daddy, right? <laughs> At the library, Buffy has a crystal quiz with Giles. Mm-hmm. And then it's off to patrol. <laughs> this, I think this is a good fight. I'll kill you for that. Well, what were you trying to kill me for before? Yeah. <laughs> Buffy gets hit with a dizzy spell. That gives the vamp the upper hand. He almost stakes her with her own stake. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. I, it's, it's one of those moments where I just feel like, what a ballsy move would have been if it was just this was the end of the show. <laughs> he just stakes her, the end. Not even three full seasons, just like. <laughs> and, and the last episode is three minutes long. <laughs> the end of the show, deal with it. <laughs> now you have 40 minutes of. Commercials. You're welcome. <laughs> it's it's uh, the re- rest of the forty minutes is just everyone else on the show crying <laughs> at the funeral. Uh, the next day, Buffy can't throw knives. <laughs> did, did she do this before? Was this a thing we've seen her do before? I mean, she's thrown stuff. I don't think we've specifically seen her like throw knives with great precision necessarily. Okay. But I think it's something we're supposed to assume she's sure. got prowess. Giles suggests that maybe she has a bug. But Buffy's too psyched to see the ice show with her dad to take it easy. Remember those two things? The ice show and her dad? Yeah. Did you ever go to an ice show? Um, I did not. I did go to, and they mentioned later on, the, uh, the Snoopy on ice. Oh. I did go to a live Snoopy, not on ice, uh, but a live Snoopy show at Cedar Point once. Okay. When I was an adult. And one of the saddest slash funniest things I've ever seen in my life was the seat we were looking at, we were able to see partially backstage and seeing the guy who I think was Linus, I'll say he was Linus, and it was like the whole show was guys in these big kind of mascot outfits where Mm. it's slightly um, bigger than normal bodies with like fake hands and feet. Those things creep me out. And the giant heads. Nope, creepy. Just seeing a guy backstage walking with his head down, clearly depressed. Oh, Just walking. Poor Linus. Sadly. 
<laughs> backstage. It wasn't like the character. It was clearly the actor backstage. Was just, oh, this is my so life. Sick of I'm it. so sad. This is the eighth show today. It just, that image made the show for us. We were watching it. I also like um, in this scene, it's the first one where you can really see, knowing the twist that comes later that Giles is complicit in this whole thing that's going on, you can really see that throughout Anthony Stewart's portrayal in the earlier parts of this episode. Yeah, there is something off about Giles. If you haven't seen it before and you're, Mm -hmm. you know, you're watching it for the first time, it is like, well, that's. That's not how Giles usually acts. And mm-hmm. that's not what his usual reaction would be, that yeah. he's being a rather flippant. Yeah. Hmm. So Buffy goes home and her dad sends his regrets. He can't make it to the ice show. I Me- just feel bad for that actor because that would have been like one more of like three paychecks. I know. Meanwhile, at a dilapidated B&B, some British guys are boarding up windows. Oh, no. So something's happening besides the ice show. Not the judge from Ghostbusters 2. Yeah. <laughs> Harris Yulin, in case anyone was wondering. You weren't, but there you go. I think of Stuart Saves' family. Oh, yes. He wasn't that, that, too. That's that's the other thing that... That is a good movie. Yeah. Like... Go straight up. When I when I rented that, and that was on my, my Netflix DVD queue, that's right, ladies, uh, for like over a year before it actually came, because I guess they probably only have one copy sure, um, for the entire country. And when I finally got it, I was expecting, like, oh, this is going to be, like, a really bad movie. Like, it's Pat or so, or Night at the Roxbury. Like, one of the yeah. really bad SNL movies. When I saw it, I was like, this is actually a really affecting dramedy. Yeah. Which you would not expect from an SNL movie. I haven't seen it in a long time. I would love to see that. Make it's that good. shit watch instant. It holds up. Yeah. Who's holding out on the rights for Stuart Saves' his family? <laughs> Al Franken, he's, he's in politics now. He's, he, he doesn't care. He doesn't need it. Is Harris Eulon a holdout? Damn it, Harris Eulin. No, it can't be Harris Eulin, because he's in Training Day, and Training Day is on Watch Instant. I'm going to get to the bottom of this. Back at Crystal Class, what is the point of this? Here's my thing, is take it out of the episode. Make this a real thing that Slayers have to go through. Mm-hmm. Why? I mean, I think it's it's kind of the general knowledge of the occult. Like, if you see this crystal, this is what this would mean. All right. Like, you you know, you, you're busting up a, a you know the the bringers or whatever you see like oh they've got an amethyst i know what that means sure okay it seems like mostly though it's like healing and then healing and then cleanse your aura and then he- like they're not bad none of these are like bad things that people do but maybe crystal. if it's like healing you could be like oh maybe they're trying to resurrect something mm-hmm. and, but if he had you know told her the most important which is if you see this big crystal <laughs> it's used to hypnotize people and make you know, that then you can weaken them. I like to think, and this is just, I don't think this is ever stated in any way and anything, but I like to think that if that is a specific crystal that hypnotizes the slayer that's been used for this ritual for as long as there's been slayers. Oh, me too. No, yeah. I totally think yeah. this is a kit that gets handed down. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Because otherwise I feel like there, there has to be other circumstances where you could have used that crystal. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, yeah no, this is like, even like the syringe, like this is the fancy mm-hmm. hurt your slayer kit. Yeah, because it's an old syringe, too. Yeah. It is not new. Sanitize that shit. Yeah. Buffy's trying to get Giles to take her to the ice show, but he is really not into it. Mm. Again, he's acting a little weird. Not because he doesn't want to go. That that yeah. would be weird if he wanted to. Yeah. But because he's not paying attention to her. Yeah. Like, you think he would address, like, the ice show? That sounds terrible. Yeah. Like, just something. You get to, he's, he's more detached. I really like watching this episode knowing the twist. Yes. I really like watching it from that perspective. 
So he hypnotizes Buffy and injects her with something. So she's looking into that that big rock. He described that as like a crystal, right? Yeah. And it's it's not used for good purposes. It's it's kind of like a dark crystal. Drop the mic. No, go, go pick yourself up. Oh, oh, here I go. <laughs> and I'm back up. Okay. Uh, I am again. You know, you're talking about Anthony Stewart Head. His facial expression here. Mm. it's so interesting how, again, if you've seen it, you can see him just like this determination of get mm-hmm. through this thing that I don't yeah. want to do. But the first time I watched it, I definitely remember being like, dude looks evil as shit. Yeah. Like he just looks like. Mm-hmm. Well, and uh, without spoiling too much, there is a, a thing he does a couple seasons later, which is definitely like, I have to, and he literally says he, he does the things that the, the other people can't, uh, specifically Buffy, where he does something that's very dark. Oh. And it's, I think it's a very it's similar expression. It's a very expression. similar look. You're right. Yeah. Uh, you're right. And that's, uh, that's definitely like a, a part of Giles' character, which I find very fascinating. Yeah. That even though he, he's actively, and I think a lot of his personality comes from trying to repress or in some way make up for his, his Adolescent. rowdy teenage yeah. years. His, his his darker period, he still has this um, kind of deeper darkness that is for the greater good, which is very interesting, where he yeah. feels like he will do things that he knows are immoral for the greater good, and that's a very specific thing for him, and that's a very specific kind of um, state he has to get himself into. I Right now I'm thinking of Halloween and when mm-hmm. he's beating the shit out of Ethan Rain. Yeah. To find out how to break the spell. Mm -hmm. It's also a very similar look. He's not enjoying beating up Ethan Rain, but he is very determined knowing Mm -hmm. I have to do this. Yeah. It's, it's the, the mask of civility comes off and it's not, yeah, like you said, it's not a pleasure. It's not like when he was young and he was kind of like, oh, I'm going to be a badass and do cool things. Mm -hmm. It's like, this has to be done. And I, I find that very fascinating. I mean, I, of course I like this episode. It's child centric. Yeah. I'm shocked. (laughs) The next day, Cordy is fighting with some meathead. Oh, such an asshole. Such a dick. Who gets physical. When Buffy tries to intervene, she can't budge him and is actually saved by Cordy. Oh, this is so rough. First of all, just seeing like this guy openly like abusing a woman in public. Like, this what is the fuck? brazen, yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember what he said. <laughs> Not that it would be okay if it was in private, but no, but it's, still, it yeah. is brazen, yeah. Um, Mostly what's sticking out to me right now is posse, passe. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't say like he owes her or something. Yeah, there's like it's, some some weird macho, weird male bullshit thing that he says. And then, yeah, it gets physical. And then it's so, so upsetting seeing Buffy not be able to, you know, kick his ass. Yeah, usually these moments we get the satisfaction of mm-hmm. anytime you see masoch- misogyny. Yeah. It's like, it's okay. Buffy's going to come and beat the shit. Yeah. But this is just like Anne when she can't mm-hmm. reveal her identity and that guy grabs her ass. That you're like, oh, fuck. Uh, Dude, just, just punch him. Yeah. Just punch him. I do like, though, that as much as like this guy is getting physical with Cordy, she is being a strong female character. Mm-hmm. And like, she's sticking up for him. Yeah. For sticking up. Ugh, she's standing <laughs> up to him. She And then sticks up for Buffy. Yeah. And like... In a girly way, sure, yeah. she has these little punches, but mm-hmm. it, I mean, it works. It gets him to yeah. back off. Giles meets with Quentin, who's, I mean, a higher up in the Watchers yeah. count. He's not like the head guy, is he? He's not the the Watchman General. I think that's the term, right? Sure, that one. <laughs> 
He explains that Buffy is undergoing the same rite of passage that every 18-year-old Slayer must face. Ugh. Giles is not happy that his Slayer is to be locked in the that barricaded B&B, weakened, and pitted against a crazy-ass vamp who needs pills periodically. Yeah. Who's, I mean, just legitimately yeah. crazy. Yeah, that's that's pretty fucked up. Really fucked up. Yeah. Uh, so this vamp is Kralik, played by Jeff Kober. Uh-huh. He's recently the very creepy landlord in New Girl. And he was Rack! Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he comes back in uh, uh, Buffy as like a magic guy later on. Season six, Rack. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. He was apparently in Tank Girl also, which I haven't seen. So. Oh, I think he was one of the kangaroos. Okay. Yeah. Um, and he was on Sons of Anarchy, like as a recurring also character. I haven't seen that. Yeah. Um, but if you haven't seen it, see uh, Tank Girl, because it is. God awful. <laughs> Never read the comic. It's supposed to be good or whatever, but the movie, so bad. It oh. is just, just, I mean, they have talking kangaroo men. And that like is. Like literally kangaroos? They're kangaroo men. They're like men who are kangaroos. You're not making sense. They're like kangaroo men. Nope. <laughs> you, know, you know, that common thing of kangaroo men? Nope. <laughs> like they're men, but they're kangaroos. Like a a man and a kangaroo had had intimate relations. I mean, it was genetic experiments, but okay, uh, okay. But yeah, yeah. Interesting. One of them is iced tea. Also interesting. <laughs> and, oh, and there's a musical number. Oh well, I mean, no, I'm on board. You know, I like no. those. So this, I mean, a, the I guess the point of this rite of passage is is that being a slayer is more than just the physical mm-hmm. prowess that become that comes with your powers. Yeah. But it's about thinking on your feet and mm-hmm. having good instincts. And this test is supposed to make her more confident. Yeah. And just kind of te- not, it's supposed to test whether or not she has that mm-hmm. intelligence as well yeah. as. And the, the inner strength to, to still still fight and still overcome the odds, even if she doesn't have the advantage of Slayer abilities. Right. Yeah. No, it's fucked up. It's yeah. just, it's yeah. really fucked up. And I feel like. If if the watchers were doing their job and like actually watching, they would have seen like she does have inner strength and she's been clever in a lot of instances where she's figured out things or uh, worked around problems and problems solved in very interesting ways. Where it's you really don't need this. I know it's tradition. I mean, to me, the reason I think this is fucked up is like I don't think it's. I think it's great that the watchers council recognizes mm-hmm. that being a slayer is not just the physical strength yeah. and not just about killing vampires. It's about being mm-hmm. smart. It's about really having a hero's instinct. Yeah. There are so much more humane ways to test that. Yeah. And even if it was still like kind of cruel in a way of doing something where you you still like lock her in something and and it's like a, a puzzle in a way to have her get out in order to save somebody. Sure. But you don't actually have a vampire that's actually killing people. She just thinks that she needs to save someone outside this yeah. room. Yeah. And, her, and she has to figure out how to get out of that room. She can't like pry open a door with her strength. So yeah. how else are you? Great. Yeah. We just did it. See how easy that yeah. was. Yeah. And nobody has to be. And what else are the Watchers doing? It's not like she's... I know there's two Slayers, but one of them is unsupervised at this point. Sure, right. They don't seem to care about her. She's putting her life on the line enough. Yeah. That you're like, well, you might die in this... No, you need her, dumbasses. Yeah, and also, like, isn't it better to have a Slayer with some a good track record and some history than to, like, 
very seriously risk losing your Slayer to just yeah. have some new girl. Noob, newbie again. Jeff Cobra reference. New girl. Yes. Great. Creepy landlord. Awesome. <laughs> Meanwhile, in the library, the Scoobies are researching curses on Slayers because that's what, what they think is happening mm-hmm. to Buffy. I like that they're doing this without Giles. Again, kind Take of. initiative. Yeah. Something would be weird. Xander and Oz have a debate about kryptonite. That's <laughs> uh, so dorky. Is it um, accurate? Do you know? Uh, I can't remember if what they say about the gold kryptonite is true. I, I can't imagine that wouldn't be. But yeah, um, green kryptonite seriously weakens you, but would probably kill you if you had any prolonged exposure. Um, red kryptonite. More recently, I think it more just changes your personality, but I think in the past it has mutated you. Okay. Uh, I am single. <laughs> I think it's interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I, I like the debate, too. It reminds me of the three a lot. They had a lot of debates later on. About oh, the trio. Stuff. The, yeah, trio. the trio. I thought you meant the three oh, vampires. Yeah, so like, uh, no, no, they didn't do shit. Yeah, no, it reminds me of the three and that they um, are like kryptonite towards uh, good uh, uh, villains. That, uh, But yes. yeah, the trio. Uh, they reminds me a lot of them. Oh, God, I love the trio. Yeah, this is definitely like somebody wrote the scene and then like later on they're like, I want to write more of that. Yeah. Can we just have that be mm-hmm. a dynamic in every episode? Yeah. I mean, that sounds like something that very easily could have been, they wrote a line and then they just happened to have that debate in the room and someone was like, just put that in the script. Yeah, so they, they wrote the kryptonite line and then someone was like, well, actually, hold up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that night, Kralik dislocates his shoulder, I think. That's what he's doing. Yeah, it's hard to tell. It looks like he's just like, oh, now I'll choose this instance to tear my straitjacket, which really should have done that before. Sure. Um, but I think that's what they're trying to get at. So he loosens his straight jacket, uh, mm-hmm. is able to grab one of the British. Mm-hmm. Real dumb, dumb watcher who's yeah. like, oh, you can't see it? Let me get closer. Why? It's a Why long Why do you think you have a spoon, spoon on a stick? Just just reach it out. Yeah. Or shove it. I mean, at that point, he is like a centimeter from his lips and like, just shove it in there. Yeah, just what say, are you doing? open your mouth. Just open it. Yeah. Or like. I'll, I'll get it in there. Or you don't get them. Yeah. You choose one. Yeah. For her birthday, Angel gives Buffy a poem book. Aww. But she's not really excited about that because she's distracted by her loss of power. Buffy remembers how pathetic she was before Angel knew her, but so does Angel. This is cute. Still think it's creepy. Because he was watching a teenager and he's like 200. Yeah, he was watching a teenage girl he did not know and falling in love with her instantly, despite the fact that he is old enough to be her great-great-great-grandfather. And then talks about them touching hearts, which I do like the line reading where she talks about it being creepy. It's like, yeah, in retrospect, that was kind of creepy. Yeah, no, it is pretty well done. Giles returns to the evil B&B to find Greylick gone and the British dude's dead. Uh, It's such a creepy house. It is a creepy. Where the fuck is Quentin? He's off, you know, talking with Denzel Washington at a diner. He just shows up later like, oh, yep, they're dead. Like, but where were you? He's got appointments. Why didn't he die? I was stuck with him for seven seasons. That's kind of nice to have like a real big asshole on the Watchers Council that you can be like, oh, that guy. That dude. Really hate him. Buffy passes some cat callers who she can't take out anymore. Oh, <laughs> Damn it. So frustrating. How can I live through you if you can't beat up the misogynist- <laughs> misogynistic assholes? It, and it, it, this is interesting because it, it's, you know, as a normal girl, and, you know, it, mm-hmm. it, everyone knows this happens all the time to every girl, no matter what you look like. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting to see Buffy put in the normal girl's yeah. situation where you know that every girl knows you don't talk back to catcallers yeah. because they could lash out 
mm-hmm. and hurt you because they got mad that you stuck up for yourself. Yeah. So it's interesting to see her in that that position and like that her instinct is like right on. Like don't turn around and yeah. tell them to go fuck themselves. You could mm. they they might grab you. And speaking of grabbing her, speaking of grabbing her, Buffy is attacked by Kralik. She runs. Okay, she is a girl, but she can climb a freaking fence. Like she, this is yeah. like bending her arm. She's like, ah, uh, I can't. Oh no. I mean, I guess you can make the the point that maybe the the mixture did more than make her just like weak, like a regular person. It might have made weaker. her like weaker. Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, which makes sense because Cordy even stuck up for her earlier. Yeah. I mean, after like the vamp crawls over the fence and I see the barbed wire, I'm like, well, I'm glad she didn't go over it. No. But this, I mean, as a girl, I'm kind of insulted here. Yeah. Like, I can, I can climb a fence, okay? No. Just, just in case you were wondering. I was. Yes. That was actually yes. in my notes. I can climb um, What can Kristen climb? A fence? I can. Question mark? I can climb okay. a fence, yeah. Um, Great Wall of China? Question mark? Probably no. Okay, probably not. Uh, mountain? Which which mountain? Okay, I have subcategories. <laughs> so Giles picks her up. He explains that he's been drugging her. Ugh. This is so well done. They are yeah. both so good here. Mm-hmm. Like I feel it's a really like sad scene to watch because it's, it's it's very well done. Especially because their I mean their relationship is I don't want to say it's the healthiest in the show because he's been drugging her, but like. <laughs> It, but before the drugging. It's it's more of a parental relationship than mm-hmm. hers and Joyce's are because yeah. Joyce just kind of doesn't get mm-hmm. Buffy. Giles yeah. has been there for everything. They're like the most dependable relationship. Yes. So the, yeah. the, the level of betrayal here is mm-hmm. so intense. Yeah. She is heartbroken. Mm-hmm. She is angry. Yeah. He is he feels awful but yeah. he's just like so you can see he's like but i'm gonna fix it and yeah. like you know yeah he wants to make up for it but he's still so ashamed that he can't even like really even say that much yeah kralik kidnaps joyce and leaves buffy a polaroid as evidence oh he's so creepy the way he just says mother oh, oh. also another thing you should never say past 10 years old referring to your uh your your female parent as mother 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 no my mom uh hates being hates the word mother yeah so what you're saying is it's a mean mother shut your mouth yes she's just talking that's why that's why she doesn't like the word mother is because it makes her think of motherfucker (laughs) i think maybe we should we should now popularize the term mom fucker (laughs) yeah right just to see if it changes what happens (laughs) so keep on listening out there mom fuckers Buffy gears up with all her Slayer power, stakes, holy water, etc., and her sad overalls. Oh, yeah. She takes the time to make sure I put on those sad overalls. Why doesn't she have that big jar of communion wafers we saw earlier in the uh, series? Yeah, why? Why? <laughs> hey, vampire, you feel a little peckish? No, on this. I swear to God, it's just a regular rice cracker. They're healthy. They're- if I ever see uh, a bunch of vampires at a cocktail party and there's a, 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 yeah. a cracker tray, yep. I got, you got it. You got it. We learned that, like most men who hate women, Kralik has mommy issues. Mm-hmm. Buffy enters the B&B with a bag of weapons she can barely carry. Oh, so, <laughs> so adorable. Sad. I do feel like she should have put more than one thing into her pockets. Yeah, no, lots of things. Yeah. Like, that would have made more sense. Like, get one of those photographer vests and just have yes. a bunch of pockets yep. full of stuff. Get a, um, a Batman-style belt. Mm-hmm. A bandolier. 
What is that? That's uh, like Chewbacca has. Or, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A sash thing. Yeah, it's like a sash with like compartments for bullets. Okay, gotcha. I was thinking of... That sounds like a type of instrument. It's a bandolier. I think a mandolin. <laughs> mandolin, I think, is what you're thinking. Sure. Yes. Okay. That. Take that your mandolin less, in there mandolin. and just soothe him less with helpful. some beautiful Renaissance music. <laughs> uh, Kralik chases her. A cross doesn't scare him. It Ooh. actually seems to turn him on. In a, Ooh, lower. I don't, I don't like it. Boop, boop, boop. <laughs> He has a crazy murder wall of Polaroid pictures. Mm-hmm. Which really takes some time. He put time into that. Yes, he did. And he's only been unlocked for like less than 24 hours. Yeah. He, he must have thought like, okay, what am I going to do when I'm going to get Okay, I'm going to find somebody. Oh, you know, I'm going to find that Slayer. I'm going to kidnap like, maybe they have a mom. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make a collage. Oh, decoupage. <laughs> get some Mod Podge on there. Maybe some stickers. <laughs> he's into crafts. <laughs> That's just it. That's how you defeat him. You get him a Michael's gift card and distract him. <laughs> oh, yeah. I could use this. Hobby Lobby. It just That's fine. You keep him busy. For me to get some crochet supplies. Huh? I'm out of uh, yarn. <laughs> yes. I need more. <laughs> but Kralik needs his pills. Buffy grabs the bottle and runs. Nice. She finds her mom. This I remember this surprising me, thinking like, mm-hmm. don't grab it and take it with you. Grab it and throw it and then run in the other direction. What mm-hmm. are you doing? I remember being like, I don't understand yeah. what her decision-making mm-hmm. skills here. She finds her mom. Kralik bursts in, takes the pills, and drinks his water. Well, I think with the pills, the, 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 the strategy of it is... She, yeah, she could use it as a distraction of he go, gets, goes and gets the pills, but she sees that this is weakening him. So even if she doesn't have the idea for, like, doing the water yet, it's if I take this away from him, he will be weaker for longer. There I know he'll go. still be going after me, but he'd be going after me anyway. Right. So this way I'm I'm making him weaker and maybe I can do something with it later. So it's really – I think it is, yeah. Watching stuff like this makes me really feel like my survival instincts are just shit <laughs> because, like – it's not that, like, if you gave me all the pieces, maybe I would, like, mm-hmm. figure something out. Yeah. But split-second decision-making yeah. like that, where you're like, quick, do something. I'd be like, I don't know. I'm going to run upstairs. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> if you ask me what I want for dinner, and I'm like, I don't know. Tell the waiter <laughs> to come to me last. <laughs> uh, so Buffy switches the water with holy water. <sighs> burns him from the inside yeah. out. It's like a long time, though. It seems like a delayed reaction. I mean, maybe, like, I feel like part of that is him. he's so crazy that he's not paying attention to, like, mm-hmm. oh, I feel something burning as it goes down my throat. Yeah. And now I have heartburn. And wait, it's getting worse. Yeah. <laughs> he's just like, oh, good, pills. We're good. We're, yeah. I'm, I'm good. And also, pills don't work like that. I know in every movie, it's like as soon as you take the pill, oh, oh it's better. Right? It's like, like no, give me that's... a Tylenol and then give me an hour. Yeah. But I, I know it's like a, a weird conceit we all take in movies, but we all know that that's not how pills yeah, work. Yeah, that does not work. Yeah. Uh, she, she has the famous line, if I were at full slayer power, I'd be punning right now, yeah. which is another thing that I say in daily life every time I'm sick. Oh, Doesn't really apply and no one gets it, but it, ma- it makes me a little happier when I have a cold. <laughs> and then you're just like snot covered in yeah. grace, like chuckling, and everyone's like, oh, she's really bad. <laughs> she's lost it. <laughs> Actually, if you're talking about me, that's probably just business at usual. Kristen's <laughs> just saying shit we don't get. I don't, I don't. She said the word slayer. It's definitely Kristen. Yeah. It's fine. No. <laughs> Kralik's friend tries to join the party, but Giles takes care of him. 
I like this because I've yeah. forgotten about this dude and I've forgotten about Giles at this no. point. Oh, burn. Well, I, this is a Buffy story. I'm just, I'm, I know, I'm I just, know. I'm, I'm so focused on her. I want her to live. And it's nice he gets maybe like, Joyce. not obviously that full redemption, but he gets to do like a little something to at least feel like. Yes, exactly. You know. I think this is an important mm-hmm. moment for him. So Quentin has like a post-mortem mm-hmm. with them. Again, yeah. where was this fucker? Yeah. He says, we're fighting a war. I do like the Giles says, you're waging a war. She's fighting it. Yeah. That is a good point. Mm-hmm. What does the council, apart from Giles, fucking do with their day? They play so much Candy Crush. Yeah. I mean, I guess the the implication, I think it's made a little clearer later on in, in Buffy stuff that they also do a lot of like research and like uh, the academia of it, like, you know, getting the books so that Giles has books and doing research and figuring out stuff. But then really, they, they should cheat. Treat Giles with so much more respect. Yeah. Like, I get that he's, like, he's the underdog, mm-hmm. and he's he was the bad boy, yeah. and he didn't, he's maybe not as, like, hoity-toity mm-hmm. as them, but he's still the watcher. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you've had three watchers, say, in the past three years. Mm-hmm. Mrs. Post was evil. Fate's watcher is dead. Yeah. He's the guy. Yeah. Okay? He's the one that passes. Although. Although. Nice segue. I'm very proud of you. Giles didn't pass the test. What? He didn't follow orders, yeah. so he's fired. Oh. He has a father's love for her. Buffy's face. Oh. Mm. Like obviously, like Quentin is saying that yeah. be, be having a father's love for her is a detriment. That he's yeah. too close to the situation to see it objectively. Mm-hmm. But after being rejected by her own father and clearly wanting Giles to Mm -hmm. be her father figure and feeling, A, that first he's not even understanding that she's saying, I I think of you as a father figure. And B, that someone who she trusted as a father figure would betray her this way for it to be confirmed of like, no, he totally thinks of you that way to a fault. To the Mm -hmm. fact that he's now lost his calling. Fuck, I love this. I want to hug them both. Yeah. I'm so happy. It makes me want to call my dad. And then then it gets even sadder when it's like you see the the start of the reconciliation when she like um, has the head wound and he takes the cloth and starts like, you know, wiping away the blood. Like he would if he was her dad. Yeah. So cute. So she'll be getting a new watcher. Giles refuses to leave because he can't leave her. Uh, it's not about the library. He doesn't give a shit. Yeah. There are libraries everywhere. Oh. This is the late 90s. Libraries have it on top. So what's the lesson in Helpless? I think it's twofold. Mm-hmm. I think, firstly, in... Buffy's case, strength is about more than brawn. Mm-hmm. It's about brains and quick decision making. It's about m- making the right choice, mm-hmm. even if you might lose. And I think it's yeah. really important that going to the B&B, mm-hmm. after he takes her mom, she knows she has no powers. She knows it's very likely she might lose. She knows that this isn't really part of the test. The test is invalid. No. But she has to go there because it's the right thing to do because she's a hero and she needs to save mm-hmm. her mom. Yeah. I think it's saying something about what makes a hero yeah. and that it's not your muscles. And I think the second part of that is Giles' part of the story. You can't just blindly follow orders. Mm-hmm. Don't just do something because someone orders you to if you know it's the wrong thing. Yeah. yeah I think there's also not necessarily a lesson, but like an interesting thing. And it's a nice reflection of something that happened earlier with uh, 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 Ben Candy. There's an, a nice thought of, 
you know, adults are people too. They make mistakes. Right. You know, the, the grownups, your parental figures will let you down. You still have to figure out what you do after that. Right. So are you ready to perhaps go a little international? Shovel. <laughs> Buffy Tapaja, Vampirit. Ernie Dragon, Das Rhine Fleisch Canoe. I did a little dance. You couldn't hear it because this is audio. Okay, so the actual titles, a little underwhelming, but I have an honorable mention. And Gingerbread and Helpless, I could only find the French and German ones. Um, for Gingerbread, French title, Intolerance. Yeah, yeah. Fair, fair. Uh, German also makes sense. Hansel and Gretel. Or Hansel und Gretel. Of course that would be the Jew. That's, yeah. This is their episode. Exactly. Excellent. Makes sense. Uh, for helpless, uh, a, a little uh, different, but not too too uh, great of a change. For French, it's defenseless, pretty much the same. Oh, right. uh, German, uh, the final examination. No. Yeah, that doesn't really fit the tone. But my honorable mention, because uh, international title roundup is really all about weird translations, is the translation of the German when they're looking up the articles about the kids. The old German article is written in really bad fake German. It's literally like somebody just took the English that he was going to say, put it in Babelfish, and put it up on the screen. So this is the retranslation of it back to English. AD 1649. Me, a clergyman from near the Black Forests, did find the bodies of the children, quote, on my own. One was of the boy, the other of and girl. Thereafter, my own research, I learned. <laughs> so yeah, uh, not not the best translation. I would learn my own research. That's yeah. how that happened. My own research, I learned. <laughs> so that's uh, I, I guess uh, the the fun honorable mention. I like that. I, I'm always interested when they have that stuff, and I'm I'm also mm-hmm. thinking about like Giles' spell at the end of that episode. Yeah. I'm always wondering like. Did you get a German speaker in there? Yeah. Or are the Germans just being like, you guys, I mean, lots of people speak German. Just ask one. There's a great, I saw this uh, documentary, Real Engine, which is all about uh, cinematic interpretations of Native Americans throughout the history of film um, in America. And they talked about how in a lot of the uh, Westerns, if they actually did hire Native American actors, they wouldn't bother to check what they were saying. They're just like, oh, say something in, in you know, your language. Oh. And, but they'd have, like, whatever lines for the uh, English speakers, and those would sometimes be correct. But they wouldn't check what the Native Americans were speaking. So in some movies, you could actually watch, and they have in the movie, if you know the language, them saying stuff like, oh, you just uh, you stepped in a bunch of bear shit. <laughs> And you are covered in the bear shit. It's like, yes. I will go away and do the thing I want to do. Oh, because you are covered in bear shit? And that is what you enjoy <laughs> to be covered in? Uh, so, yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. I love it. I feel like that's really great, like, uh, revenge for, <laughs> yeah. like, just like sticking it to, like, yeah. yeah, awesome. <laughs> this is for everything you've done over the past 150 yeah. years. You deserve this and so much more. Yeah. Now it's time to celebrate Buffy's badassery with this week's Slay of the Week. I have a feeling we're going to agree here. I feel like it's kinda ha- it kind of has to it be Kralik. Kralik. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. It's, it's one of my favorite slays of the series. Yeah. Like, yeah. I love that she is smart. Mm-hmm. I, I love her when he is dying, the look yeah. of her. Like, she's exhausted and beat yeah. up. But she's also like, 
Kind of smiling on the like, inside. Yeah, I got like, it. I got you. I got this. It's fine. Yeah, it's it's clever. Um, it's it's of a really cool villain, and I think they did a really good job of making this an interesting, uh, threatening villain for mm-hmm. a one-off villain, which is really hard to do a lot of the time. It tends to be just like, oh, who's what makeup is this? And that's what the villain tends to be. Right. Um, so that's really cool too. Do you want to do runners up since this was kind of obvious? I mean, I didn't have one. The I, I would guess I guess runners up would be the the German demon. The German demon. Yeah. I was thinking of that, and then I thought, you know what? I'm going to go unconventional for my runner up. I'm going to actually go with the one watcher guy killed by Kralik because I think he was really clever in how he killed that guy. With the one that like I can't see the spoon. Yeah, it worked. <laughs> like I'm, that guy was dumb for letting it work, but Kralik was amazing for like figuring out that this would work. I would rather give it to. I still, I still think the the giant stake through the German it is demon because that's. Awesome. It's pretty funny as fuck. Um, but I w- then I would say my third place would be Giles killing the other vamp just because, like, he needs that moment. He, I guess. Needs, he needs to. I mean, as far as what characters need, but as far as, like, a cool kill, that's not that cool. Okay. I will say it does make the Kralik seem that much more menacing when mm-hmm. he grabs the guy's. Like, that's just creepy. Yeah. And sometimes that can, that can come off really lame. It's, it's kind of a trope, but it works there. I will. I mean, that's one thing I will say about Kralik is that his, while he's like he, I mean, he's just a. In yeah. terms of demonology, he's just a vamp. Yeah. But his personality is so different and mm-hmm. so strong between yeah. him, him taking his situation almost lightly, mm-hmm. like him, and his next level hating women. Like yeah. this is beyond misogyny to yeah. serial kill, killer of women, mm-hmm. girl with a dragon tattoo, shit. Yeah. yeah. Um, that makes it that much more terrifying mm-hmm. and makes him stand out. Exactly. He is one of my favorite monster of the week demons for that yeah. reason. He's so memorable. Yeah, it's, it's not just some some demon with some weird name in a suit that you see at the end. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad they brought him back for Wreck because this is yeah. a really good actor. Yeah. And like now that I'm picturing the two of them side by side, I'm like... Oh yeah, I could. I mean, yeah. like he really brings something memorable to every role, mm-hmm. and I feel like that also. Like to go on a weird tangent about this actor, his character on New Girl is like it's 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 an, it's a semi reoccurring character for mm-hmm. like two episodes, and it's not there's not much to it, mm-hmm. but I feel like he really brought something to there. Yeah. That I'm like I will never forget Remy the landlord. Yeah, that's the and also and this is I think. Probably less important in a lot of ways, but also interesting. I feel like he just has a good face and voice for a mm-hmm. a Buffy character to be in some kind of like demon or vampire makeup. Yeah, like it 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 hangs well on him. His voice works for it, and with the rack makeup later on, yeah. it's it's really cool and interesting. And like, he's somebody who can hold their presence through the makeup. Yeah, which it can be difficult. Yeah, good job, buddy. Not, I mean, you, yes, but I meant the actor. Like, he just, really good job. So, Jeff, if you're listening, big shout out. Yep, I love you. Thank you for tuning in to the Sunnydale Stacks. Please like us on Facebook. Don't forget to look for us on Twitter and Instagram at Sunnydale Stacks to ask us questions or share your own opinions and memories about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher and join us next time when we dust off the Zeppo and Bad Girls when we get lost in the Sunnydale State.